question. Why uh, do we as American Christians feel compelled to go to other countries in the world who are perfectly happy with their religious beliefs, they're perfectly happy with their um, systems of uh, theology, why is it that we feel like as uh, Christians here in America that we have to go over there and interfere with these people, try to impose our American Christianity on them? Why do we feel we have to do that? I mean, really, uh, isn't it kind of arrogant and presumptuous uh, on our part to think that our way is the only way and we're right, everybody else is wrong? I mean, why is it that we're so sure that these people are wrong? And why is it that we go to the trouble and expense to leave the comfort of our own country, go over to their country and try to talk them into abandoning their culture? We try to talk them into abandoning their way of life and their way of worshiping so they can embrace our way, which is Christianity. Don't we have enough problems here in America with homelessness and hunger, our health care issues and AIDS and political unrest and racism and on and on and on? I mean, isn't there enough going on right here in America that we could just stay home and be busy? Why do we send so much money? Why do we send so many people, so many resources, spend all this energy, go all over the world and try to change people who are completely confident with their religious belief and worshiping God their own way? Why should we export so much over there when we got a bunch of needs right here in America? So the question is, why Missions. Why do we do missions? <clears throat> there are five uh, things that, um, and we're in a process as a staff and a leadership team here at Whitley Church to really um, reel in some things. Because here's, here's what can happen to a church. You know, everybody's got stuff they love, stuff they want to do. Everybody's kind of got their own agenda. And if you're not careful as a church and as a leadership team, you're trying to make everybody happy so we just have all these tons of ministries going on and we're not really great at anything, we're just good at a bunch of things. So we're trying to kind of reel in and find out what is Whitley Church all about because we've discovered that if you can focus on a few things and be excellent at a few things, it really has more impact on the world than just being sort of good at a bunch of things. Does that make sense? Um... So we got five things we try to focus on. Number one is your worship experience right here. Every Sunday, every Thursday, every Saturday at the bridge. So we try to focus on that because this is when we all get together and we want that time to be challenging for you. We want it to be enjoyable for you. We want you to go home uh, feeling motivated, but we also want you to go home feeling challenged to, to grow and to develop in your walk with God. So we put a lot of effort into planning our services on the weekend. Another thing that is, uh, we believe is very important, and this is a part of our church that is still developing, and that's small groups. We just really believe everybody needs to be in some kind of small group, and I know a lot of you are trying to get into those, and we're trying to get leaders and homes to have them in, and so we're, we're growing there. Got over 20, almost 30 groups now that are meeting. Praise God. 
Another uh, one of the five things is kids. Have y'all noticed we love kids around here? And um, kids ministry is big for us. And student ministry is the fourth thing. Uh, we just believe our, our teens, our middle schoolers and our teens. By the way, the middle schoolers are having their first gathering in the second service today. So be praying for them. Our new leader, Josh, and his wife-to-be, Brooke, they're going to be uh, leading that today. So um, Sunday morning experience, small groups, children, and, and students, those are four. The fifth thing is missions. That's one of our five things we, wanna, we, we believe our church is all about. But why? I mean, you might not have asked the questions I asked today. Like I asked them, maybe you asked them in a, diff- in a different way, maybe you said something like this, why in the world do Christians feel like they have to go around the world telling everybody how to believe? Maybe you've thought about that, You're, you've had that question. Why can't Christians just believe the way they want to believe and just leave everybody else alone to believe what they want to believe? I mean, why can't we do that? Why don't Christians just... Um, Leave other people alone, and, and let's just all get along. Can't we all just get along? Can't we just learn to tolerate other religions, and we'll focus on what we believe and what we do, and let's focus on unity instead of trying to go around the world changing people. Matter of fact, you might be here this morning, and you're a guest of somebody who's been bugging the daylights out of you to come visit Whitley Church, and you're here today, and you're thinking, yeah, Exactly, that's exactly, what is the deal? Just leave me alone, I'm fine, I'm happy. It's great that you found God and Whitley Church and all that stuff, but I'm great the way I am. So why do we as Christians uh, seem to be so compelled? Sometimes kind of obnoxious, just a little bit, maybe. We're trying to cram our belief down everybody's throat. Why do we do that? Well, let me just thank all of y'all for asking that question today, because I want to tell you why. I won't tell you why. The answer to these questions are found in the words of the greatest missionary who ever lived, and his name was Paul, the Apostle Paul. The thing that makes Paul so credible is um, in answering this question is that Paul was born and brought up in a religion that was not Christianity. He was brought up in Judaism. He was brought up as a hardcore Orthodox Jew, he he was a Jew, of course. Later in his life, he abandoned that. Later in his life, he abandoned Judaism and turned away from the religious system he was brought up in by his parents and all the people around him. This system he had followed all of his life, he turned away from it, and he embraced Christ. And he embraced Christianity and that whole system of belief. But that wasn't enough for Paul, no. Then Paul had to spend the rest of his life trying to tell other people to embrace it as well. Paul spent the rest of his life going all over Europe trying to get people to abandon their systems of belief, abandon their religion, and trying to convince them to embrace Christ as he had. And in that process, he met a young fella in Greece named Titus, and Titus was in the congregation, and Paul was up there preaching, Paul was a persuader. Boy, when you you hear Paul preach, 
You, you might be hardcore, anti-God, anti-Jesus, anti-Bible, but boy, when they heard Paul preach, even, even Felix the governor said, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. I mean, Paul would get on the witness stand when they had him on trial, and he wouldn't defend himself. They would just give him his time on the witness stand. He'd just preach Jesus the whole time he was up there, and when he got through, it had turned into a worship service rather than a trial. Paul was an incredible man of God. Paul believed, uh, Titus believed Paul's message about Jesus. So Titus decided to leave his Grecian religious system because of this missionary. Titus left what he had been taught and what he had believed all his life and embraced Christ because of this missionary named Paul. But Titus was just like Paul. Wasn't enough for him to accept Christ and just be a Christian. He had to go around trying to get everybody else to be a Christian. He decided, like Paul, he would spend his whole life just traveling and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, trying again to get people to abandon their roots and abandon their religious heritage and follow Jesus. Titus ended up on an island in the Mediterranean Sea called Crete. Crete. Titus planted a church in Crete. Now let me tell you something we believe in here at Whitley Church. We believe in church planting. We believe in that. As a matter of fact, we've planted a church in Goldsboro, and uh, we got some pretty big announcements for you this coming Sunday about Smithfield. And so um, you don't want to miss this coming Sunday. We got some stuff we're going to tell you, and uh, kind of let let you up on let you know what God's kind of been doing in the background and. So we got some good stuff. So we believe in church planting. So, so not only do we believe in that this church ought to be planting churches, but we believe we ought to help other people plant churches. I mean, we're going to Smithfield and plant a church, and I worked with a pastor yesterday who's already there to help him any way I can. Matter of fact, we are working with two pastors who are already in Smithfield trying to get their stuff going They've heard about what God's doing here at Whitley, and they've called us and said, guys, show us what you've learned. Just like we did with other churches like C3 and, and other churches that we went to that taught us a lot of things about not just addition, but multiplication into the kingdom. Y'all hear me out there? And so, uh, uh, so we're planting in Smithfield, but we're helping other churches that are already there. How many of you know there are enough people not going to church in Smithfield that we can pack all three of those churches? Y'all believe that? Man, we got to quit competing with everybody. Y'all realize that on a Sunday morning, only about 20%, 20 to 30% of the people in Wayne County get up and go to church? I mean, if everybody in Wayne County got up and decided to go to church or Johnston County and decided to go to church on Sunday morning, there wouldn't be nearly enough seats for them. So we need to quit competing with each other. I'll tell you something else we need to do, quit doing is trading members. <clears throat> Amen? We need to reach people who don't know Jesus, people who don't know Christ. But it's okay, you know, sometimes we feel led. I've had people feel led to leave here and go somewhere else, and I kind of felt led for them. <clears throat> oh, did that... That came out, didn't it? I, there's inside words and outside words, and my inside words got outside. I'm sorry about that. I apologize. Um, and then there's folks that felt led to come here, 
And man, they've been a blessing. I, can I tell y'all, when I came to Whitley, I came from another church. <laughs> Just thought I'd mention that. Um, um, I, I'll tell you something else I've learned. I've learned that when they leave you, if you'll just be patient, they might come back. Amen. All right. Um, so, so uh, y'all learned that about me too. Let me move on. Um, so Titus planted a church there in Crete. Uh, now, there is an organization called ARC. It is the Association of Related Churches. And what they do is they help you plant a church. They'll help you. They'll teach you and even provide finances and all that kind of stuff. So, so um, had Titus gone to Ark and said, will you help me plant this church? Ark, the Ark people probably would have went, uh, where are you going to plant it? And Titus would have went, Crete. And Ark probably would have went, no, we will not help you plant in Crete. Because Crete was not a great place to be a missionary. Matter of fact, they were called Cretans. That doesn't even sound right, does it? I mean, that sounds like a bad name you call somebody. And actually it was because Cretans were known all over the world as gluttonous, lazy liars. That's what they were known as. So to call somebody a Cretan back in that day was a real slam. And that's where Titus was. And that's where God called him. And that's where God told him to plant a church and preach Jesus to the Cretans. And while he was there planting this church, Paul wrote him a letter. The Apostle Paul wrote him a letter, and that letter is the book of Titus. So we're going to look in that book of Titus today and find three reasons why we feel so compelled to go over into other countries and impose Christianity on people, okay? Three reasons why we spend money, resources, energy, time to export Christianity all over the world. And I'm going to show you this morning why we don't have a choice. I, I'll tell you something. For a church not to be missions oriented is disobedience. It is disobedience. And I've seen the time when Whitley Church was not... Um, toward missions the way we should be. And, and I've got to tell you something, guys. Let's be real honest. We're, we're still developing in that area. I mean, um, I don't know how you all grew up, but we kind of grew up with that thinking, you know, a missionary's coming, you know, Sunday. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. And uh, so, you know, you have to have them about twice a year, you know. Y'all remember? We don't, we don't do it that way. We, we celebrate missions. We want to celebrate missions. And um, I tell you, the missionaries we've met and the missionaries God has given, called us to, uh, to uh, support um, are some of the most incredible, amazing people of faith you will ever meet in your life. And you're going to meet some of them this coming weekend. Um. So we really don't have a choice to remain comfortable here and not go there. And, and i got to tell you, we really don't have a choice to let them remain comfortable. We have to go. We have to pray. And we have to give. We have no choice. 
going to look at three reasons why Christians are justified in working to help people understand why they need to abandon their form of religion. And here's why. Because their form of religion will send them into eternity without Christ. And if you go into eternity without Christ, you will not go to heaven. You will not go to heaven. It is absolutely necessary that people receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And I know what that sounds like in this politically correct world. But ladies and gentlemen, there's one way. And we've got to tell it. We've got to tell it. And the people said... Number one reason, number one, we're going to go through these quickly. The grace of God, the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God, the undeserved love of God. That's what the word grace means. Unmerited favor, undeserved love of God. Demonstrated in many, many ways, but demonstrated most powerfully. How? Demonstrated by the death of Jesus on the cross. Demonstrated by his burial in the tomb. Demonstrated by his resurrection. So the grace that we're talking about is best demonstrated by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel is that you owed a debt you couldn't pay. And unless it's paid, when you die, you go to hell. So Jesus came and paid it. Now you have to accept payment. There is no... I know there's theology like the fatherhood of God theology that says when Jesus died on the cross, that means everybody after that was saved and everybody gets to go to heaven. And, but you have to be adopted. Read Romans. You have to be adopted into the family. God isn't going to make you serve him. He isn't going to make you love him. He isn't going to make you walk in his way. He opens the door. He urges you. He persuades. He sends conviction. He does, he does all that he can short of forcing you to serve him. But you have to make that choice. But the grace of God, this gospel message, is to every person. Look what it says in Titus 2.11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to what? All men. And that word men means humans. All humans, not just males, but all humans. Salvation is not just for the Jews. Salvation is not just for Americans. Salvation is to be taught and preached and proclaimed all over the world to all men. It is a calling on this church. Unlike other religions, Christianity was never intended to be a localized religion. If you look at other religions today, you will, you will discover some of them have, have broken out and are, and are infiltrating around the world, but nothing like Christianity. Christianity was never intended to be local. It was never intended to be cultural. Christianity was the only true gospel message that would change a person's life here and in the life to come. There's no other religion like Christianity. We forget sometimes as Christians that Christianity didn't begin over here. You know, a lot of us, a lot of people think a lot of people think uh, Christianity is an American thing, and a lot of them think it is not only an American thing, they think it's a, uh, a Southern American thing. But the, well, Christianity was born in the Middle East. And through the Apostle Paul, who found Christ in the Middle East, being called then to be a missionary, listen, listen, Paul went up through Europe, went up into Europe, people came to know Christ. 
And of course, when government gets involved in anything, ah. so government kind of took over religion. And then a bunch of people got on this boat and came over here to America to be able to worship Jesus Christ without governmental interference. That is how this church was born. That is how Christianity was born in America. And I want you young people out there to listen to me. The the pilgrims, the Mayflower people, (laughs) did not come over here for freedom of religion. They did not. They had religion. They came over here to worship Jesus Christ. Jesus, I know you won't get taught that. we got a few history teachers that are teaching it. Don't know how long they'll have a job, but they're teaching it. The Apostle Paul, because of his missionary work in Europe, and because of all the things that transpired there, they came to America. And the reason you and I are believers sitting in this country church between a hog house and a turkey house Sometimes I know that keenly. I'm keenly aware. Amen. The reason we're here this morning is because somebody spent their money and spent their energy and spent their time and paid a price and brought the gospel over here to us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that somebody came over here and said there's not a lot of ways to God. There's one. Thank God for the narrow-minded bigots who came over here <laughs> to tell us to love Jesus. because Not that I'm calling them that, but that's what we are called because we have such a narrow view. Christian message fits into every culture, every nation all over the world. Why? Because Jesus is not a Savior. He's the one and only true and living Savior. Number two, The grace of God, the unmerited favor of God, the forgiveness of God, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ has the power and truth to set all people free from sin's curse. Really a better word for curse right there would have been oppression. Even a better word than oppression would have been tyranny. Titus 2 and 12, we just read Titus 2 11. Look at Titus 2 and 12. It, what is it? The gospel, the grace of God, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Amen, amen, amen. How many of y'all know we need to say no to ungodliness? We need to say no to our worldly passions. Well, the gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't just get you to heaven, it gives you power to live victoriously when? Right now, right now. (laughs) It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live how? (laughs) Self-controlled, excuse me. Really spirit-controlled. To live spirit-controlled, upright, and godly lives. When? In this present age, now, right now. So it's not, the effect of the gospel is not just about heaven, it's also about now. The wonderful truth of the gospel is that people from every walk of life in every nation of the world need to be set free from the tyranny of sin. And only the gospel 
gives you that strength and power to look at ungodliness, to look at unrighteousness, and to be able to walk victoriously, not in your own power or in willpower, but in the power of the resurrected Jesus who lives in you by faith. That's how you live in victory. It's only through the power of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life that a person can receive it and walk in victory in this life. The gospel was given so every man and woman, red and yellow, black and white, tribe, every tongue, every nation, would know what is right and wrong. You know what's wrong with this country? We have no standard. Can I get political a little bit? We, um, you know, this, this nation was built on Judeo-Christian ethics. That means this Christian was built, this, this nation rather, the constitution of this nation was built on the, the teachings of the Bible. Because without the Bible, and I know everything I'm saying is politically incorrect. I know, and I know I'm online. God bless you all over the world. But, but listen... <laughs> Don't let anybody fool you. Ladies and gentlemen, I beg you. I know, Christi- I know, I know history books are being revised and, and being written to, to you know, portray us as a, a nation. And, and look, we've got our sins and we've got our things in our past that we did wrong and that we need to repent of. I, I'm, I don't mean that. No, we're not perfect. But, but this nation was built in the white heat of revival. That's how this nation came about. And the Constitution is based on Judeo-Christian ethic. There is a move, a marching, militant move in this world today to get us away from that. The only way we know right from wrong is that we have to have a standard. And I'm telling you that the standard is the word of the living God. And when we get away from the word of God, and if we can make the Constitution, just kind of put it over to the side and say it's an old document and it really doesn't work anymore. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying the Constitution is inspired as the word of God. There's no comparison in the power of the word of God. What I'm saying to you is that the Constitution was developed going back to the scriptures and looking at what is right and wrong. And then they wrote how men ought to live in the Constitution. We we don't know what's right and wrong. Somebody has to tell us. We can't figure out on our own what's right and wrong. The Bible said it is not in man to know the way he should go. It isn't in us. Well, my opinion and my... I don't even... Please. Regardless of what nation a person is from, everyone needs the gospel. The gospel is given so we have the power to say no to sin. The gospel is given so the Holy Spirit can control us rather than our own human lust controlling us. I mean, look what's happening around us. The more we turn away from God and turn to our own human lust and desires to rule how we do things, what used to be so clearly black and white is everything's a murky gray now. It's crazy. But you know, we ought not to be surprised. Because Jesus said it. He said it. Let me just give you this and then we'll close. The gospel um, of the Lord Jesus Christ is the only system of religion that is truly others oriented. 
Now, now let me just tell you um, what I mean by that. See, ev- listen now, this is, pr- this is something you need to get because this will kind of seal the deal for you. The reason we have to go over to other countries and preach Christianity is because, first of all, that's what God intended. God wants everybody in the world to know him and know that he is the only way. Can I, can I just tell you that behind every false religion is Satan wearing a mask? It's not, it's not many gods. There's only one God, and people may name other gods and have other religions, but behind those false religions that tell you you don't need Jesus is Satan himself leading you away from salvation. Can I preach like that? Can I tell the truth this morning? You say, well, you know, that's not politically correct. Good, good. I'm sick of politically correct. I'm sick of it, man. I'm telling you. <clears throat> Some of y'all asked me about my little red band here. You know what it says on there? Renegade pastor. I'm 53. You ain't changing me. Amen? Listen, listen, listen. So in all other religions other than Christianity, you you mean most pastors? No, I mean all. In all other religions other than Christianity, and let me just throw this in, all all religious systems that say we're Christian too, not all of them are. They want you to think they are, but they're not. A, A Christian system is a system that says Christ is your only hope. Okay? That he wasn't just a good prophet, a good teacher. See, you can't be a good prophet if you also claim to be God. I mean, the day Jesus said, I'm God, that messed up his good prophet deal. He's not a good prophet. He is the the God-man. Okay? The God-man had to die on the cross or you'd still be lost. But all other religions are me-oriented. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. Because in order for them to go to heaven... They have to please God. They have to do enough stuff that God is happy enough with them that when they die, they get to go to heaven. So therefore, watch me now, follow this line of thinking. If I say I love Eddie Jenkins and I'm not a Christian but I'm following some other form of religion, here's why I love Eddie. It's not because I really, really love Eddie. It's because I've got to score points with my God because if I don't, when I die, I won't go to heaven. So I've got to say, Eddie, I just love you. You know, are y'all with me? So really, when I say to Eddie, I love you and I do good things for Eddie, who's it really for? It's really for me. Because in, <coughs> excuse me, because in order for me to go to heaven, I've got to do enough good stuff. So when I say I love Eddie, I'm trying to make God happy because I'm doing good. But see, When you accept Jesus Christ into your heart as your personal Savior, you don't love Eddie to get to heaven. You love Eddie because you know you're going to heaven. 
You love Eddie because Jesus is inside of you, and you don't love the stuff you used to love, and now you're loving the right stuff, and old things have been passed away, and all things become new. It's just like the song and the mime and all that stuff that was going on today. I, did y'all see that whole process of how, how the, how the, the, the uh, believer or how the human was leading and God was behind, but then when it ended, God was doing the leading? Amen. Did y'all notice that? If you didn't notice it, stay and watch it in the second service again. It'll be better to you. That was powerful in the mind. Powerful. So, so when, when you love as a Christian, you don't love to get to heaven. You love because you already got a little piece of heaven in you. Okay, let me move on. The final reason is that the grace of God includes a promise to heaven. The one we're most familiar with. We want everybody to go to heaven when they die. And I'm telling you right now, and you can mark me off, and you can say, I'm never coming back to this church again. They're too narrow-minded out there. But I'm telling you something because I love you. And that is that if you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart, you're not going to go to heaven when you die like you are. Is that plain enough? Say, what in the world kind of preacher would say something like that to me? The kind who loves you. Because I want you to stand before God one day and go, the reason I'm here and the reason I'm going to heaven is because you sent a preacher into my life that didn't mess around, told me what I needed to do. So look what it says in Titus 2, uh, 13 and 14. It says, while we wait, so that's what we're doing now. We're waiting. He hasn't come back yet. We're waiting. Amen? While we wait for the blessed hope, what is that? The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own. And because they are his and he lives in them, look how they act now. They are eager to do what? What is good? See, we don't do good to get to heaven we do good because he's in us and has changed our nature. And so we're more like him. There's so much I could say about that. But let me just close with this. Next weekend, here's what we're going to ask you to do. And I want to tell you that, that the staff is going to do it. Millie and I are going to do it. The staff and their spouses are going to do it. Um, the ones who have spouses. Um, the deacon board is going to do it. The ministry directors are going to do it. We're going to give a sacrificial offering to missions. Now, I'm not just asking you to throw a 20 in. Now, 20 may be a sacrifice for you. But I want you to give a sacrificial offering to missions next Sunday. I'm going to do that. I promise you. And look, I'm not going to ever know what you gave. The staff isn't going to know. About two people are going to know what you gave. Two or three people are going to know what you gave. So just pray this week and say, God, what would you have me do? The next thing I want you to do is pray about your pledge. It's a faith, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. It's a faith pledge. It's a faith pledge. So you, so you make a pledge of what you're going to give over the next year, and you look up to God and you say, God, now I know what I can give in my comfort zone but God, I tell you what, if you will bless me in a way that I don't know right now that you're going to bless me, God, I'll give this. And you put that faith amount down there. And you say, God, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you that you're going to bless me in the year to come in a way that I don't recognize. I don't see it right now. 
but I know you want missionaries to be blessed, and I know you want missions to go around the world. So, Lord, I'm not going to put a number down here I can afford. I'm going to put a number down here that I know, God, that it's stretching me, but I know you want the message of of the gospel of Jesus Christ to go around the world. So, God, I'm putting this pledge down. Millie and I are going to do that. Every leader of this church is going to do that. We're not going to do ask you to do anything we're not going to do. So that's what will happen next Sunday. We'll have a different order of service next Sunday. You will bring your offering. There will be a table right here with a large vase on it. You'll bring it. You'll drop your card in there. You'll also drop your offering in there. And we'll just celebrate God's blessing in our life so we can bless the gospel going out to other places. Amen, amen. Now, a couple things I want you to pray about. As it relates to the bridge. How many of y'all have been out to the bridge? Just wave at me. All right. The rest of you, come on out and visit with us at the bridge sometime. Check us out. Um, Bridge is our church in Goldsboro. We are, uh, in the next couple, three weeks, we're going to name a campus pastor there. Okay? Because we believe for that church to go to the next level, they need their own guy there. Now, I'll still preach but they need someone who, who kind of administrates the church and builds teams and trains leadership and, and his whole heart is toward that church. And uh, so we're praying about that and, and that person has not totally emerged yet as the one. And so we're praying about that. We just ask you guys to pray with us about that. Also at the bridge right down the little sidewalk there, a space has come open for us to be able to have a teen ministry, a student ministry at the bridge. Really, that's the only thing that we don't have there that we, that we uh, have here is, is our student ministry. And so uh, we're praying about that. No papers have been signed. Uh, it's going to take some money, you know, to get that renovated and pay that rent every month. Uh, so guys, what we're telling you is that what we're trying to do as a leadership team is stay missional. Did you hear what the song said in the mind? Moving forward, moving forward, moving forward. There's never a time in the ministry to go, time out, we're just going to take a break. The minute you time out and take a break, you start regressing. So we're moving forward. We're moving forward. So get on with us. Get on the bandwagon with us. Help us out. Go upstairs in the attic. Break up on one of those big bales of money you got and help us out. All right? It's just up there molding. So help us. All right? Father, thank you today for your presence. Thank you, God, for the people who are here. Thank you for helping us deliver the message in various ways today. To your name be glory and praise and honor. And everybody said? First time guest, we have a guest welcome center back there. We have a gift for you. So before you go home, pick up your gift today. If you'd like to ask me questions about the message or you'd like to talk to me, I'll hang around up here at the front. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming.